So here we are in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And this is where God breaks into a routine. A lot of routines, as we're going to see. Now, somebody has said that when life gets into a routine, a rut, a rut is a long grave. Have you found that to be true? I worked at a job where every day felt like Monday. Every single day. And I thought, you know, it's just, I'm living this same day over again. It's just the same as yesterday. And it just cranks on. Now, imagine if an entire nation is experiencing Monday every day, which is the case here. It is in a rut, and that rut is a grave. And the worst thing about it is, is God is far off. He does not seem relevant to life. And the religious leaders that are around are corrupt. So God isn't close. He's not speaking. And he's not doing anything. That's what we've seen up until now. But today we're going to see that God does something. And he breaks the routine. He plows into the ordinary, the normal, the status quo, the same old, same old. And he reveals himself in a really awkward, messy way. He messes up some lives. But there's a purpose in what he's doing. He's revealing himself as the God who is going to do something. And it is judgment. He's going to judge this present routine of ignoring him when he speaks and rejecting him. That old, normal, ordinary is out. He's going to establish a new normal that is full of light, it's full of life, and it's full of his blessing. And he does that by revealing his word to a 12-year-old boy. So I'm reading in 1 Samuel chapter 3. It says, Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place and when his eyes had begun to grow dim so that he could not see and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark was and while Samuel was lying down. 
And we'll leave it there for now. First, what we're seeing is the status quo, the same old, same old, the everyday, the normal, the that's happening in Israel. One of the ordinary routines is that Samuel is ministering to the Lord under the supervision of Eli. So he's learning how to do the sacrifices. He's learning how to tend the lampstand in the tent of meeting, how to officiate at the altar. He's learning the mechanics of worship. It's the outward forms, the outward aspects. And Eli is in charge like always. And that means his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, are also doing their routine, normal, ordinary status quo of being unspeakably vile. Messing with anybody who worships there and taking what they want, sleeping with the women who minister at the door of the temple and all. They're just doing their vile thing and they're getting away with it. And another ordinary is that men despise the worship of God at Shiloh. They say, don't go up there, man. Those guys are just out to rip you off, so you're better off staying at home. Don't take the, even the trouble. They're jerks. And that demoralizes the life of the whole nation. This is an ongoing thing. And here's another normal. The word of the Lord is rare. No widespread revelation. God's not talking. This is a daily, normal thing. God doesn't say anything. Well, <laughs> he hasn't said anything since Moses. Get out of here. Or who was the last guy who was doing his thing? See, this is the time of the judges in Israel. And it's characterized by there was no king in Israel, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. And this is the big problem. No revelation from God. Now in Proverbs 28, verse or 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. But happy is he who keeps the law. So here we are in a time where the word of God isn't prominent. God isn't speaking to the people. Whatever words are written are written on a book somewhere stuck away. And nobody's paying attention to them. So there's no restraint. There's no sense of God saying, don't do that because that's going to hurt you. And that's going to take you far away from me. That's going to bring my curse in your life. So people are worshiping whatever idols they feel like are going to help them out. Who's the latest idol? Maybe that'll help. Maybe I'll worship him. That's kind of fun. 
And there's chaos because you can do anything you want. But you know, whatever anybody does, they're not happy. They're not fulfilled. They're not satisfied. Because the only people that can be happy and satisfied are those who have a relationship with God. Happy is he who obeys the law. And you know, this is exactly the situation that we see out in public life right now, today. There is no restraint. Zero. And all the encouragement in the world, if you want to be unrestrained, if you want to change your gender. That's not a big deal. Nobody looks at you funny. It's like, why haven't you done it already? And it's like there's no barriers, no boundaries. Do anything you want. But then who's satisfied? Who's happy? Who's fulfilled? Yeah, we can do anything we want, but it's not getting us anywhere. It's a waste of time. There's no happiness in the darkness. There's only chaos and misery. And that's what we're seeing as well in our present day. Chaos and misery. Now, this is the routine in Israel that's cranking on day after day, year after year, the ordinary, the normal, is that God is a religion that cranks on and he's nowhere near, there's no light, no life, it's just dark. And I read that passage of Scripture a certain way to emphasize that it's pointing out to us what time it is when God breaks into the routine. Did you notice? It, first of all, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. It's talking about a certain time. And then it says in verse 2, it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down and when his eyes had begun to grow dim and before the lamp of God went out and while Samuel was lying down. Now, you know, when you read your Bible, you got to look for stuff like this. And it's telling you something, that the writer is emphasizing something, and he's doing it by this principle of repetition. And when you see repetition going on, then you have to ask, what is the pattern? And the pattern brings meaning. This is one of the ways that the Bible shows emphasis. And so we're looking at what time it is when God breaks in. And it's while Eli is lying down in his place. This is a routine. You go to bed every night. And it's also when Eli's eyes had begun to grow dim. 
He's going blind. This is what happens in life. So somebody says, hey, Eli, you're not seeing so well. He says, tell me something I don't know. I've been doing this for a long time. It's just running along. And then Samuel is lying down. That's a routine. But here's here's the real thing that sticks out. It's in verse 3. Before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle. This happened before the lamp went out. Now, this is a routine that Eli and his sons had gotten into. They just went to bed and let the lamp in the tabernacle burn out. But see, that is a, that is a red light. That is a smoking pistol. Because in Exodus 27, verse 20, he says, You shall charge the sons of Israel that they bring you clear oil of beaten olives for the light to make the lamp burn continually in the tent of meeting outside the veil which is before the testimony. Aaron and his son shall keep it in order from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout their generations for the sons of Israel. So here's one of the jobs of the high priest. He's supposed to stay up all night. He's to tend that lampstand in the tent of meeting that those lights never go out. Because God is the light of the world. He is the light of his nation Israel. They are the one nation on earth that is to have light 24 hours a day because they know the Lord. They are God's people. That's what it means. But now, because the priests, and especially Eli, are ignoring God, they're not listening to him, they just let the lamps burn out. Oh, well, we'll just light them again tomorrow. And that lampstand in the tabernacle that's supposed to be full of meaning, it's, it's a lampstand that is made from a 100 pounds of gold, and there's seven lights on there. And those lights are not to go out at any time. Eh, it's just a light. You don't need that at night. We'll just light them in the morning and the heck with it. All of that meaning is lost, and it doesn't, it doesn't count. See? It's not a big deal. But see, God says it's a big deal to him. He cares. And so he picks a night when they're planning to let that light go out from neglect. Because they don't care. And God is saying, I care. And I am not going to let the lights go out. Isn't that interesting? You think, well, we're just one generation away from, and the church is going to die, 
and everything is going into the toilet. So you think. And you realize, you know, God hasn't stopped working. He's always at work. You think about Elijah. God asks, what are you doing here, Elijah? He says, well, they killed all your prophets, tore down your altars. I'm the only one left. They're going to kill me. God says, well, I got three things for you to do. And by the way, I have reserved for myself 7,000 men in Israel who have never bowed the knee to Baal. 7,000 men that Elijah has no knowledge of. So you know, what God does, his church, his people do not depend on people to keep cranking it and keep it going and, oh no, if you don't do something, you know, we're going to fall over and go, and then well, where will we be? Well, God doesn't think like that. He says, you know, I'm still working. I'm still doing things. So here it is. He says, well, they're going to let the lights go out, but I'm not. So, while all these things, verse 4, the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call, lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again, the third time. So he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now, this is kind of a roundabout way of doing things, don't you think? Isn't it weird that God calls and he makes Samuel get up and he goes over to Eli and Eli's going, well, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And he does it again. He does it again. And he does it again. Isn't this messy? Don't you think God could show up and say, hi. I'm God. You're working for me now. We'll just leave him out. Why does God do this? Well, first, what we want to notice is the, the voice of the Lord sounds normal. You know, when you hear a voice with power in the movies, they always do like three different voices, and then they do studio techniques so it sounds really you know. 
But Samuel doesn't go, whoa, that is so spoopy. That's got to be God talking to me. It just sounds like a voice that you could hear. Almost the kind of thing where you could say, whoa, is that my voice? Sounds like my voice. Still small voice. Not weird. He just thinks, wow, Eli's calling me. What's the deal? I better get up there. Now, it's so interesting that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. He's working with priests. They're showing him all the mechanics, how you do things, the ceremonies and the forms. So Samuel knows about God. But he doesn't know God personally. He has never experienced God in his life. Isn't that interesting? Here he is being brought up as a priest since he was a kid. And his mom taught him before that. So he knows all about God. But he doesn't know him personally. Huge difference. You can go to church all your life and know all the hymns and still not know God. How do you know if you know God? The answer is you have received his word into your life. We'll talk more about that. But isn't it weird and frustrating when Eli says, I didn't call you, go back to sleep. And you know, they're both getting frustrated, perplexed. They're both thinking, what is he thinking? Why is he doing this to me? They're both thinking that. So, you know, Eli doesn't hate Samuel. He says, go lie down, my son. You know? And Samuel is saying, well, if you need me, here I am. You know? What do you want? And finally, Eli is reasoning. Samuel is not the kind of kid to do this to me. He really thinks somebody's calling him. You know, it's just, if it was one of my boys, I could understand him wanting to play with my head, but not Samuel. And he goes, wow, maybe the Lord is calling him. And he does Samuel a favor. He says, this is what you say next time when he calls you. Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Now, don't you think that's ironic? Eli, the guy who's not listening to God, says, whoa, this is the Lord. This is what you say. Your servant is listening. Wow. He's not listening. He's ignoring God. But he tells Samuel, go ahead and listen to him. I don't even know how to make sense out of that. 
Verse 10. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day, I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. Now this is serious business. God is not making a social visit. He's not saying, well, let's introduce ourselves. You, of course, are Samuel, and I, of course, am the Lord. And, well, we, we need to work together. And I thought we'd have a conference tonight here at midnight and discuss how we're going to do things. No niceties. God just says, you know what? I'm going to judge the house of Israel or the house of Eli forever. There is no sacrifice or offering that will change my mind. He is doomed. Everybody who hears this, their ears are going to tingle. You know what that means? They're going to be shocked. They're going to be scared to death for themselves. Now, this might be news to Samuel, that God is going to judge Eli. Because, you know, we, we saw the man of God come to Eli and say, you know what, I'm going to judge your house. Is this the kind of thing that Eli would spread further? And say, oh, by the way, Samuel, funny guy come up and he says, I'm from God and I'm going to judge your house forever. What do you make of that? <laughs> what a weirdo. Is that the kind of thing you spread around? So I'm betting Samuel's never heard this stuff. And here he is hearing it from God. Can you imagine? There is no sacrifice, no offering you can make which is going to change my mind. That's just about saying you guys are going to hell. And there's nothing that can save you. Now this, this is so dire, so terrific because they have been hearing what God has to say, but not listening, not receiving that word from God. And when a person rejects the word of God, there is nothing left but judgment. And that cannot be rejected. You can't say, well, you know, I don't play with this. I'm from the United Kingdom, and we don't do God, so, you know, that stuff doesn't apply to me. 
Boy, when judgment shows up, there's not a blessed thing you can do. Now imagine Samuel's reaction. Verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and he said, Samuel, my son. He answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word of, that the Lord spoke to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Samuel is freaked out. What does he tell Eli, the guy that has taught him everything he knows about being in the house of the Lord? He's scared to death. So it says that he lay down, but it doesn't say that he slept. And in the morning, he gets busy and makes himself scarce. Just opening the doors and doing this and tending to business and not being around Eli. And Eli says, Samuel, you come here right now. And he does Samuel another favor. And that is he puts the fear of God in him to deliver that message. He says, God, do it to you and more also if you hide one word from me. Can you imagine? Rock in a hard place. Do you know that a messenger is supposed to be faithful and is supposed to deliver the message exactly the way it was spoken and not decide, whoa, that's kind of a hard bit. We won't talk about that one. Nobody's going to like me. And this part I like. We're going to talk about this bit. And that, who cares about that part? That's not what you're looking for in a messenger. You're looking for somebody who's going to deliver the message regardless of what effect it's going to have. You must be faithful to the one who sent you. And so Eli is doing Samuel a favor. Samuel is going to have to deliver many such words. And he has to be faithful to God and say everything that God says. That's the right attitude, right from the very beginning. Now, how would you feel if you were Eli and you just heard possibly a 12-year-old boy deliver a message that some other guy saying he was a man of God, spoke. And again, I'm assuming that Samuel knew nothing about any of this other stuff, that Eli heard the man of God and just said, but here's a 12-year-old boy saying exactly the same thing. He could not have known what God had said. 
Now you can say, okay, anybody who wants to can call themselves a man of God and do something weird, and the world is full of weirdos, so you forget about that, you know. You have a problem with me, that's fine, but go away, you weirdo. But here's a 12-year-old boy saying the exact same thing. How would you feel if you were Eli? Would you be freaked out? Because basically God is telling you right to your face, you have no future. Would you roll on the dust and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner? Do you think God would have changed his mind? See, I think God would have changed his mind because it says in Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. I think God was doing all that stuff in the middle of the night. Guess what, Eli? I'm talking. Are you listening? So here's Samuel saying, God is going to judge your house forever. It's not going to be one old man left in it. And both your sons are going to die on the same day. And God is not going to change his mind. There's not one offering or sacrifice you can make. And Eli says, it is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. Sorry, you guys, but I cannot understand that. All that means is he's so used to rejecting the word of the Lord that it is his habit. And you can get yourself into a place like that. I still remember the time that when I played in a Christian rock band and we went to a care home and my friend spoke to a 95-year-old guy and said, how would you like to receive Jesus? And the 95-year-old guy said, I don't think I'm ready. If you're not ready at 95, when do you think you will be ready? But you know, this guy spent his life saying, oh, well, I don't think I'm ready yet. To the point where that is his settled attitude. I don't think I'm ready yet. Now, Eli does not break his routine. He does not break his status quo, his ordinary, his normal. He says, it's the Lord, let him do what seems good to him. You know, that sounds all nice and official and standard, but guess what? He's still rejecting the word of the Lord. And that means that God is going to carry out every single thing from beginning to end that he has spoken to Eli. Verse 19, so Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh. 
For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now here we have the beginning of a new normal in Israel. Samuel keeps growing in knowing the Lord. And whenever he speaks what the Lord says, the Lord does what he says. That's the new normal. God is talking and anything God says happens. Now that's the test of a prophet. Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, that is Moses, from among the, their brethren, and he will put my words in his, I will put his, my words in his mouth, and he shall speak them to all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words when he speaks in my name, I will require it of, it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. God says clearly, a true prophet from me, every single thing he says has to happen without fail. Every single time. Or else he's not from God. Now, you may have noticed that today there's a lot of people who prophesy in the name of the Lord. The Lord says this is going to happen. The Lord says this is going to happen. And it's crazy because that stuff doesn't happen. You know, a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit's going to go around the world. People are going to get saved and healed and on the street, they're going to get down on their knees and say, what shall I do to be saved? Nothing. Nobody checks these guys out to see how their prophecy is doing. And the prophets don't say, hmm, didn't happen. I must not be from God. They just keep prophesying because that's the big deal, prophesying tingles and wow, swoon. But people continue to listen to these liars who are deceiving God's people and leading them astray because they prophesy the word of the Lord, but they ignore what is written. They're liars. You know, in the old days, you could take these guys out and kill them. Can't do that now. But they're going to stand before God. And, you know, they're living their best life right now. Because God's going to say, what was all that? And they're going to say, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And I wouldn't want to be in their shoes for anything. But here, the whole nation, from Dan in the north to Beersheba in the south, is hearing 
there's a guy in Shiloh who is a prophet of the Lord. Everything he says happens. It's the Lord. And people are going, Shiloh? That stink hole? And they're saying, no, it's different. It's changed. You have to go there. See, that's cool. That is the new normal. God is close. It says he appeared in Shiloh. It doesn't mean that you can see him. But it's the fact that he's close. And when he speaks, it happens. So God is among his people again. And this is the new normal. This is God's new normal. This is God's ordinary. This is God's status quo. Light instead of darkness. Order instead of chaos. And instead of ripping people off, it's actually giving to them. Here, here's blessing. Here's truth. Here's something that will not fail, will never betray you. It's the word of the Lord. Now, here's the difference between Samuel and Eli, because there is a time when they were exactly alike. One is a very obedient, nice kid. The other is a very experienced priest, but they were both just the same because they did not know the Lord. Knew about him, but did not know him personally. You know what the difference was? Samuel received the word of the Lord into his life. The word of God is more than letters on a page. It is the revelation of God, which is God himself. And because of that, the word of the Lord is living and active. The word of the Lord is a person. This is who John spoke about in his gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, John is talking about Jesus Christ. And God's normal is that Jesus come into our lives in the very same way that the word of the Lord came into Samuel's life. We are literally receiving the living word of God. Now those who receive Jesus are given the right to become children of God. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12, But as many as received him, 
To them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This is something that God is doing. Now, when you don't receive the word of the Lord, you don't have the presence of God in your life. You don't have his light. You do not have his life. All you have is the outward mechanics of life. It's just going through the motions. And it is a crummy routine. Because it's a routine of death. To be separated from God, to go through the outward motions without the life of God, that is death. That's because we're dead in our sins toward God. We need forgiveness. We need cleansing. We need Jesus to come into our lives. Now, if we reject Jesus and ignore him, there is nothing left but judgment. That's what hangs over every single person in the world right now. Judgment. That's why we can make a difference. Because when we tell somebody about Jesus, there's the possibility for them to receive the word of God. To pass from death to life, out of condemnation, into grace, favor, relationship. You know, God isn't really crazy about religion. That's all the outward forms, but no God. That's what religion is. And he doesn't like it any more than you do. I don't like it. Because it's just going through the motions. Big deal. Who cares? God doesn't care either. Do you know what he's into? He's into being close. And the reason why I read Psalm 116 is because verse 5 has something that's just been blowing my mind for several days now. The fact that the Lord is gracious. And he is righteous and he is compassionate. Now this is how God reveals himself. Gracious. In the sense of, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. It is who he is. And I guess the thing that, that really floors me is, how much of that grace do I know? How deep have I gone? A scratch? A smear? When all of God and all that he is, when he reveals himself, he says, I am gracious. I am compassionate. And I think, what a complete beggar I am. How much of that do I know in my own life? But I tell God, I want to know. I want to know. And so you know by receiving his word. This is what we've been learning on Friday nights in 1 John. We know 
that we have passed from death to life. We know this because we've experienced it. So, Jesus told a very religious man that unless you are born from above, you can't even see the kingdom of God. None of that religion has the life. You need to receive that life. So, if you do, you get to experience, like Samuel, that God is close, that he's talking, that he does what he says he's going to do. And so the application to this is God is really talking to us. And you say, well, you know, this is church. I don't actually hear the voice of God. But you know, he is calling. That's what I get to say. This is my job. I lip sync for God. And I get to say, oh yes, he is calling. And you have a choice to make. Do you open up and receive the word of God? Or do you just stay nice and religious and say, no, thank you? What do you mean, no thank you to God? No thank you, I don't want light. No thank you, I don't want life. No thank you, I just want judgment. Does that make sense? You know, some people aren't willing because they sense the awful truth. If I open up and let God into my life, he's going to mess it up. And you know, that is true. He is going to mess your life up. You know, he shows up at whatever time that was and says, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel goes, couldn't we arrange this at like 9.30, God? Can it be more convenient for me? And God says, no, I'm God. You listen up whenever I call. Yes, sir. Good. Now we're happening here. Oh, yes, God is going to barge into our lives and make our lives very inconvenient. He is going to plow up our status quo, our ordinary, our normal. He's going to step all over it. Ew, don't do that. You're wrecking it. Oh, gosh. But see, God says, I have a new normal around here. I am your normal. I am your status quo from here on in. And see, the word of the Lord is going to break up your routine, guaranteed. Because it is the word of the Lord. And when you receive that word, he is the Lord in your life, and you can no longer pick and choose which commandments you feel like performing today and which ones don't fit into your schedule. None of that. No more of this 
old, ordinary of, well, I'm going to let the lights in the tabernacle go out because I just can't be bothered at that time of night. Forget that. God says, okay, I'll forget you. That's where Sheol is. The place where anybody goes, God forgets them. I'll forget you. Anybody here doubt God? This is God. You can't tell him what to do. He's God. So, our lives have to conform to his will. We want to submit to him and say, you know what, Lord? Anything you want, you can have it. Anything you want. Here I am. Your servant is listening. So here's the question. Are you listening? Are you receiving the word of the Lord? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you do indeed speak. And you come close. And you call. And we thank you, Lord, that you mean to do good for us. We thank you that you do indeed plow up our lives. Because our status quo is death. And you want to give us life. And I'm so thankful for that. I want to pray for us today that our hearts would be soft and tender before you and that we would willingly receive implanted your word which is able to save us. We want to keep receiving your word and not get tired of it and say, well, you know, I just don't care anymore. Because you are gracious and righteous and compassionate and you care about us. And there is no God like you. You alone are God. And so I pray for each one of us this morning that we would open up and receive Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God. And we want to turn from our own ways. And we want to turn to you and say, speak. Your servant is listening. And Lord, make a new normal in our lives where you're close and you hear us And you do your work in our lives. Nothing that we face is too difficult for you. The real issue is our hearts. So Lord, do a great work in each one of us today. 
And we thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.